Do you remember your first debt? Not big debt like house. Like just the first debt. I remember my first debt. I was eight years of age. Mrs. Anderson's window. I didn't have the money to pay it. Something I owned went through it. My mother lived in the day where you paid it. She didn't have the money either. Mrs. Anderson and I made a deal. I worked for her. She hung that over my head like a dead horse. Have you ever paid off a dead horse? That's another story. I've done that too. (laughs) Debt... Yeah, I long before Dave Ramsey told me debt's a bad deal, I knew it. The only difference between him and me is he's made $10 billion saying it. <laughs> he's rich, I'm not. Therefore, he's not in debt, I am. But I also have gotten out of debt. And I know what that's like. I, I know what it's like when you pay off a car and you think, I own this thing. I know what it's like when you, you know, celebrate with your kids and the school loans are, they're free and, and they're off of your books. You know what I'm talking about, parents. Yeah. When you know what debt is like and when it's off of your books, It's also off of your mind. Because when debt is on your books, it's on your mind. Not every second of every day, but it's there. You're kind of going along and all of a sudden something happens. You want to, you know, like, oh, I'd like to, but I have. Oh, we'd love to, but we can't. And it's kind of like this horrible reminder That I'd like to live free, I'd like to do some things, but I can't. It's like debt. For the nation of Israel, that's the way they live their life. All the time. It wasn't a financial debt, it was a spiritual debt. They would go to church... And they would go into the temple and they, they would uh, sacrifice and they, then they, but they would go home and they'd leave the sheep, but they would always take the guilt. That's what the Bible says. It says that the sacrifices that were being offered were not able to clear their conscience. Do you know what it's like to not have your conscience cleared? It's a fourth grader that steals something from his teacher. And when he's a fifth grader, he doesn't like to go back into that classroom. And when he's a sixth grader, he doesn't like to go back into that classroom. And when he's a seventh grader and his buddies say, hey, let's go back and visit our elementary school. He says, let's not. And when he's a high schooler and his buddies say, hey, let's go back and see the elementary school and see how small the walls are and they feel all big. And he walks in there and he looks down the hallway and he goes, hey, let's go down this way. Why? Because down that way is the fourth grade classroom. And you know what the fourth grade classroom is? It's a reminder. 
It's a reminder of something that's never left his mind. Why? Because it's not clear. It's still there. And it plays over and over. And in fact, if he could take what he took from her desk and put it back, he'd do it a thousand times over. But he can't. The Bible tells us that we have a stain that we could not remove. That's what it means. It means that we have a conscience that's not cleared. It means that we have shame. It means we have uh, guilt that we just, it's, it's like a debt. But here's the problem. Most of your debt, believe it, sometimes you think it's never going to go, but you can get it paid off. Not guilt and shame. Not for these folks. That was the problem. Every year they went to the temple and every year they went home. Year after year after year. I think in many ways a lot of people, believe it or not, even today, live that way. I I had a friend. um, He became a friend. Um, his name was Art. I, we, I was flying somewhere and he was on the airplane next to me and we were just chatting and he asked me, wh- where am I going? And I said, well, I'm going to California. I'm, I have some trip business work to do and I'm going to meet my father for the first time since I was just a little kid. And he goes, it's been, how long has it been? I said, well, I think it's about 40 years. And he goes, it's been 40 years since you're going to meet your father. And I said, yeah. And he said, what are you going to say to him? And I said, I'm going to tell him I forgive him. And, and he goes, what did he do? And I told him, well, he, he faked his own death, abandoned our family, and just disappeared. Small stuff like that. And um, he, um, and did he, did he ask me a question I wasn't prepared for. It was a great question. And he said, what if he doesn't want to be forgiven? I was like, touche. Nice job, Art. Give me a minute. I thought about it, and I said, Art. I believe that everyone has guilt and they don't know what to do with it. And everyone feels this guilt in their life and they work at it and they do things. And I believe he has guilt and I cannot imagine leaving a wife and three children and not having guilt. In fact, if he doesn't have any guilt, he's probably a serial killer. By the way, Art, I turned the corner to him and I said, what do you do with all your guilt? Now, mind you, I just met this guy 45 minutes ago when we took off. 45 minutes into this airplane ride, man, we are deep. I figured I only got about an hour and a half left and we might as well get to Jesus soon. And so we're just cooking along. And I said, what do you do with your guilt? And he looks at me and he said, touche, nice question. And then he looked back at me and he said something I wasn't prepared. Maybe he wasn't either. He said, I didn't realize it, but I have guilt too. I have things I won't tell you about now, but I've done. And my wife and I support a number of camps in Montana for troubled teens. And I've never put it together, but I think I'm trying to balance out what I've done wrong. 
Art previous in our conversation told me that he was an atheist. I said, Art, you said you're making a payment for your guilt. Can I ask you a question? Who are you paying? And he looked at me and he said, I'm not a very good atheist, am I? (laughs) No, you're not. See, unless you've severed your conscience beyond imagination, if you're a person born in the image of God and you've sinned and you have, then you're a person who has a stain that cannot be removed. The reason that Christ came, the scripture says, when he came as a high priest of the good things that are already here, He came in a different way than what the Jewish people had experienced. They went to the temple and sacrificed animals. A lot of people go to charities and give money. Some people go to fundraisers. Some people volunteer at the hospital. Some people support camps. And I'm not trying to diminish what they do. But oftentimes, if you drill down to the motive, there's a stain that they're trying to address. And it's like a little fourth grader that becomes an eighth grader, that becomes a twelfth grader. And instead of dealing with the day that he stole something, He just avoids it. Out of the kindness of his love for you, Christ came. And he has three gifts for you. For those of you who are willing to admit, I have a stain. Good Friday is about stain removal. It's about Christ who went to the cross And the scripture says that he went through a temple, a temple not made by human hands, a temple that was in the heavenly realms. I would suggest that it's before the father. And the ticket into that temple was not a goat or a sheep, but his blood. The exchange there was not that he went in with the sheep, it says, that, but l- rather he, he went in and the purchase price to get in was his blood. And what was the result? Number one is that Christ says, I want to redeem you. I want to buy you. What does it mean to redeem something? It means to buy it back. It it means to, to take it back. That which was yours and you lost is to purchase it. What did he use? The scripture says his unblemished life that has power. What does it cover? What is the purchase price? His blood. What is the value? All of your sins. Now, when a Jew heard this, it had to blow their mind, to be honest with you. It had to blow their mind. 
Number one is because every year they had to go back over and over and over again. But it's not just every year for the sins of atonement during Passover. They had to go back for the sin offering, for the grain offering, for the praise offering, for the thank offering. There were literally double-digit offerings that they had to go back for. They needed an Excel spreadsheet to remind themselves of all the different offerings. And so when they heard that there was one offering made that covered all of the offerings and all of the sins, you can imagine why they said, it's just too good to be true. It is too good to be true. Unless God is dying for you. It really is too good to be true. Unless Christ came in the flesh to die on a cross and to use his blood to redeem you. Secondly, the text tells us that he wanted to reconcile you. What does it mean to reconcile? It means to bring two entities that were at odds back into relationship. It's a husband and wife that are separated, that are living in two different places, sleeping in two different bedrooms, and to bring them back together in harmony. It's to take a person that the scripture says is an enemy of God and to bring them back into friendship. In this text, the text tells us that the purpose of Christ cleansing us is so that we may serve the living God. That we may partner with him. I've forgiven a ton of people over my time in life and I'm sure you have too. But I'd have to tell you some of the people I've forgiven I don't want to go to a movie with. In other words, I think I can genuinely say I've forgiven them. I'm not sure I want to be their friends. I think I've forgiven them. I'm not sure I trust them. That's not what God is saying. He says, I have forgiven you. And I want to partner with you. I have forgiven you. And I want to be your friend. I have forgiven you and I want you and I to go into business together. I have forgiven you and I want to hang out with you. I love Max Cato's statement. If God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. That's true. When Christ came to die on that cross. He used his blood to buy you. But not to use you as a slave. Not to use you as a pawn. But to treat you as a friend. But also finally. The scripture says to cleanse you. To purify you. To make you clean. I think for a lot of people, they like to see themselves in a certain way. I'm talking about Christians at this point. 
they, they see themselves in a certain way. I, I would use the terms dirty. I would use the terms um, sinner. I would use the terms um, ugly. And, and they use that because that's maybe what you once were. You were a person who was a gossip. And you were a person who was a betrayer of friendships. And you were a, a person who used foul language. And that's who you once were. And you were a person who you couldn't be counted upon. And you were a person who would steal your, <laughs> your boss blind. But when Christ came, you see, so different. The scripture says, note this, the blood of the goats and bulls and the ashes of the heifer is sprinkled on those who were ceremonially unclean and sanctified them so that they are outwardly clean. In other words, they looked good. They were clean. They could go to the temple. They could be perceived. They could take communion or they could, you know, participate in the holy events. You were outwardly clean. Oh, but when Christ's blood touches you, the inference is what? You're inwardly clean. What happens when Jesus' blood touches you? You get a new heart. You're purified. God made Christ who had no sin to become sin so that you could become the very righteousness of God. What does the scripture say in this passage? He, he says, oh, the spirit of God offered himself unblemished to God to cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death. My friends, when Jesus came, he came to change you. Not to clean you up on the outside, but to completely overhaul you on the inside. To give you a new heart. To breathe the spirit of Christ into your life. To give you hope. To cleanse you. To reconcile you. To redeem you. And when he did that. He made you his own. And he said. I want to go to the movies with you. I want to partner with you. I want to live life with you. Because I love you. Centuries ago, I was a school teacher. Back in the days when they didn't have whiteboards. I like whiteboards. Whiteboards are clean. Chalkboards, you never get them clean. Chalkboards are vulnerable to students who have fingernails. I don't like chalkboards with students who have fingernails. I've never had fingernails in my life. I can't do it. But when chalkboards were eliminated and whiteboards came, I always thought, I like whiteboards because you can make them clean. 
when you see a whiteboard, I want it to remind you of you. Because that's what Christ's blood does. When he comes to the cross, it's not just a story that he tells. It's a gift that he gives. And it's powerful. It's transformational. And if you will trust it, he will take that stain, that guilt, and he'll cleanse it. And you'll be free. You'll be free. And you'll be a partner with Christ. And you will be the delight of your life.